This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 14th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family have the two-for-one MyPillow version 2 sale going on right now. In addition to that, you can pick up a pair of the Air Lindells, the MyPillow dog bed, and Giza Dream Everything when you enter promo code STAKE at checkout. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. Enter promo code STAKE here. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, hoping you won't get yelled at in the work conference call this week, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social, welcome Tuesday edition Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 213. Guys, Alan Jacoby's in today for Noah. He's going to be guest hosting with us. In addition, we're going to be sitting down with Trump 2024 attorney Christina Bob, former ambassador Rick Grinnell, and Newsweek opinion editor Josh Hammer. But before we get into any of that, happy Valentine's Day. Let's jump into the news.
Blinken was dang near wheels up trying to head to Beijing to have those kinds of conversations, to get some of these uh, communication uh, vehicles and venues back on track, whether it's climate change or military to military. We were willing to do that. We were looking forward to doing that. Um, and then the Chinese decided to fly a surveillance balloon over the continental United States, and it wouldn't be inappropriate to, to have that meeting. Mr. Secretary, have you been able to recover any part of the most recent three objects, and why continue to call them objects? Are these not balloons? Well, uh, we're going to confirm what they are once we have collected the debris, but to answer your question, uh, we've not recovered any debris from the three most recent shootings. Is, why is the American military shooting something out of the sky over Canada? Because it's part of a NORAD. There is a, the NORAD is part of like a it, part of a, it's a it's a what you call a coalition, a consortium, a, so, a pact, okay. exactly. And so that's why we were able to do that. Again, it, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in in uh, in uh, clearly in 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 step with uh, right. Canada. Canada. Uh, the first balloon, there was a much different rationale, which I think was the appropriate rationale. Uh, we got enormous intelligence information from surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States and watching. Didn't the Chinese get enormous intelligence as well? Well, they, they could have been getting it anyway, but we have to know what they're doing, okay? And we don't know exactly, but we got a lot of that. Uh, when it comes to these higher altitudes, are America's borders secure? The president uh, takes, uh, as I said, Earlier, he takes uh, our national security uh, extremely seriously. He has no higher responsibility than the safety and security of the American people. And I don't think you need to look any further, quite frankly, than the decisions he's made in just the last week to 10 days. Uh, it's had its challenges. Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at what the American transportation systems have faced in the last two or three years, partly because of the pandemic, We've faced issues from container shipping to airline cancellations. Mm -hmm. Now we got balloons. That's right. Um. <laughs> Isn't it a, a major security breach for the United States? Just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace no. and flew over the country for so many days. No, look, <laughs> the total amount of. Um Intelligence gathering is going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is, uh, anyway, it's, it's not a major breach. And that was the weekend that was regarding all of the balloon gate developments that we've seen. And this is steak for breakfast. If you're uh, joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Guys, check us out on all social medias. Just type in Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Follow us everywhere. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, True Social, Getter. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your downloadables, go find Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Hit the subscribe button, rate and review. And don't forget to check out all of our partners. They are some great American businesses who are making great American products for you guys and a promo code stake everywhere. And you're going to get all those big, big savings. You'll hear them in the beginning at the end and throughout the course of our show. So our national airspace was violated again, several times over the course of last week, as many as three other Chinese spy satellite balloons uh, were flying around the U S and Canada over the weekend. And it seems like we were able to, at least this time, before anything got too 
traverse the course of the United States, blow them out of the sky. But it's led to a lot more questions. How long has this been going on for? And uh, what are we going to do about it now in regards with our stance on China? I can't think of anybody better to be uh, talking about it with me right now than the host of The Great Divide and uh, the CEO of My Patriot Cigars, our good friend Alan Jacoby, who's in today while Noah's out of the office. Uh, Alan, how's it going? Welcome back. Roan, always a pleasure to be on my favorite podcast, guest hosting. Everything is good. China is, uh, you know, being China, and we're just taking it. We're just taking a knee to China. Yeah, and how the roles have become reversed in such a short amount of time. Uh, we've talked about over the course of the last few weeks how they're meddling and all the affairs in the United States, whether it comes to big business and big government, global currency, IP, stuff with TikTok. And now you have this, you know, chest puffing of power with the Chinese spy satellite balloons that have been violating our airspace and sovereignty for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, apparently a lot longer, according to the Biden administration. They, they doubled down, as we, you know, had heard in, in, in parts of the opening montage that, uh, you know, they, the Biden administration's doubling down now and saying that this stuff happened frequently and regularly, and it was kind of like normal practice during the Trump administration. Uh, there's nobody better to refute that narrative uh, other than former ambassador and director of the DNI, Rick Grinnell, who's going to be joining us in just a bit. We're also going to touch on this with uh, Josh Hammer a little bit later in the show, and we're going to be doing the back end of the podcast, the news segment, with none other than one of our great friends, Christina Bob, who is our Valentine's today. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody else. But uh, let's hear John Kirby. He he fielded questions yesterday during the White House press conference. And uh, instead of taking any responsibility or, or directly addressing the facts in regards to this, he decided to uh, double down on, on this was normal during the Trump administration. Let's hear him. But we were able to determine that China has a high-altitude balloon program for intelligence collection that's connected to the People's Liberation Army. It was operating during the previous administration, but they did not detect it. We detected it. We tracked it. And we have been carefully studying it to learn as much as we can. We know that these PRC surveillance balloons have crossed over dozens of countries on multiple continents around the world, including some of our closest allies and partners. We assessed that at this time, these balloons have provided limited additive capabilities to the PRC's other intelligence platforms used over the United States. But in the future, if the PRC continues to advance this technology, it certainly could become more valuable to them. And it's just a lot of open-ended questions. I think the only thing there that was like an honest assessment is that, you know, they, they've probably bullied other countries and, and some of our strategic allies' airspaces uh, over the course of the time that this program has been in use. But you know, it's pretty funny right now. It's like we're getting owned in the skies by the Chinese spy satellite balloons and the people that are like filming them are using TikTok on the ground. So it's like the yeah. two the two biggest components of how China spies on the United States right now are being used at the same time to kind of film each other. It's it, it's clown world, to say the least. And uh, I, I just really don't understand how we can, you know, go out there and, and make it seem like this is such a, a nonchalant thing when our slow reaction time to this has just raised a lot of questions about 
How much for granted of our national security and sovereignty is this administration taken for the sole fact of making sure that every time they go out to talk about what, what they consider an accomplishment is, is talking about how diverse they were uh, in, in their equity hires and, 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 you know, diversity to get there. And I think that's the biggest problem we're having right now. The, this administration is more cared what they look like or is made up of other than, you know, are, is our nation really safe and secure right now? Which I don't, I don't think a lot of components of it are. What do you think, Alan? No, absolutely. I, I think a lot of it is vulnerable. My, my, I watched that, uh, that, that Kirby briefing live yesterday. And here's, there's a part there where you, where he said, um, the Trump administration didn't detect it. We detected it. And, and it's very misleading because you know, when administrations change, Roan, what normally changes with it? All of the top positions, right. correct? All of the, the the political appointments. Now, do the regular Joe Schmo who's operating this surveillance equipment that would detect it and this radar equipment detect it or the unelected bureaucrats that are entrenched themselves in our the defense department and our military, does any of that really change? So- Who's really detecting it? Because the political appointments aren't detecting it. So for him to say that, well, the last administration didn't detect it, well, then that means our military and our Department of Defense, the people that are doing the detecting, not the political appointments and the defense secretaries and the joint chiefs, they're not detecting it. They're being told it's detected. Then then we have a bigger problem. I mean, that's just how I'm looking at it. And. We know, listen, John Bolton himself, who hates Donald Trump, said, no, this didn't happen on our watch. There was nothing covered up. So I just I don't know how, how you interpret that. But that statement is, well, they didn't detect it. We detected it. So that again, then there's a bigger problem than just an administration detecting something. No, that's that level. That, that's a good point there. And when you talk about, you know, usually the changing of the guard when when regimes are going in and out, it's 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 also always been a huge concern to me how much of a problem Donald Trump had uh, down the home stretch in his first term with people like Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin, and those two seamlessly have continued their roles in in the United States government. And the fact of the matter, all of the lackeys who were under them preventing or slowing a lot of the Trump agenda down throughout the course of, uh, you know, his tenure as president are now continuing the same thing. But it's, it might be with that, you know, historical disregard for getting the story straight or being ahead of the narrative uh, of, of allowing things to happen to make Donald Trump look bad at times that has now spilled over into the Biden administration. It's like with, with a lot of things with, with Joe Biden and when the people inside of his administration make calls on stuff, they squeeze the toothpaste tube so hard. There's no way to get the toothpaste back in the tube. And, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have a quick question for you, Ron, because so the first, the first balloon, which had a huge payload, like right. three buses, 10 cars, the CCP, the commies over in China, they acknowledged that belonged to him, to yep. them. Correct. Yeah. Now the other ones that were detected, China was quiet on it. They, as far as I saw, they never said that that was theirs. Correct. Right. Which now this is again, maybe I have to put my tinfoil hat on. I was thinking about this. Now those other three flying objects. And of course the white house where there's, you know, no intelligence detected. Uh, they want to say, they want to talk about aliens and UFOs, like real green guy aliens. That that's how they want to say, Oh yeah, they're, they're, there's no aliens or anything like that. 
I'm wondering if this is all, do, do, do I dare use the word, psyop for optics, showing that there were three other balloons. Maybe they were weather balloons. You know what? Get a get an, a fighter jet up there to shoot it down because we have to show as an administration that we have full control over the security of our country and its airspace to the American people because of the debacle that we allowed happen the first time. Maybe those three balloons, Roan, didn't belong to China. Maybe they were just random weather balloons. Maybe they were ours. And maybe this is just another, you know, Nord Stream pipeline debacle well, where they have to make it look like they did something. Yeah, then you have people sitting in like a, a bunker somewhere in China, like getting yelled at by by the general saying like, who the hell told you guys to send three more balloons over there? And they're like, those aren't ours. Those and, aren't ours. We don't know what's going on. And, and it, it, it did lead to a lot of widespread internet speculation regarding like UFOs and like, well, we're not going to get into any of that. These things no. are, are either Chinese spy satellites or, or stuff that like you said was uh, meant to optically make it look like we are in control of our own airspace. I did see that Jim Hines, the ranking member of the intelligence committee uh, jumped on, with meet the fake press this weekend to talk about this and aliens. Let's hear him. Oh, and do you think, are we changing our posture? It, it does seem as if we'd see this, uh, unusual aerial phenomena oh. and the decision, if there was not a threat to the country or a threat to an individual or, or an airline, we let it fly up there. Do you sense we're changing our posture that if we don't know the origin, we're shooting it down now? Well, I certainly hope not. I mean, if that's where we're going to go, uh, there will be an accident. You know, at some point we're going to shoot down something we don't want to shoot down, whether it's civil aviation or what have you. Um, so, but no, I, I, I think it's a little early to make that call. I mean, I would say two things about it. Number one, um, there's a logic to what the administration has done. The two oh. shootdowns have occurred around objects that were a threat to civil aviation. Remember the China, the initial Chinese balloon was at 50, 60,000 feet. That's not a threat. If you're down at below, at or below 40,000 feet, now you're in the travel zones for civilian aviation. There are concerns about gathering intelligence. That's why uh, I, I think it wasn't wrong for the administration to want to observe the first Chinese balloon. There's questions about where this stuff might land. The two shootdowns obviously were over very remote areas. You know, the one thing, Chuck, that is troubling me here, uh, I sort of see a pattern. I, as I looked at social media this morning, you know, all of a sudden, massive speculation about alien invasions oh. and, you know, additional Chinese action yeah. or Russian action. Uh, in the absence of information, people's anxiety leads them into uh, potentially destructive areas. So I do hope that very soon the administration right. has a lot more information for all of us on what's going on. Well, and and that, that, again, that's the ranking Democrat member on the House Intelligence Committee calling out the administration for their lack of transparency. And the fact of the matter, which alludes back to the point that you made, Alan, is, is if this is something that is, is prefabricated within the United States to show that we are still strong and in control of our skies, getting into the flight paths of, of civil aviation or even co commercial jetliners and stuff like that, it's a very dangerous game. And then, you know, you don't want to have, there were reports that some of the debris was found had like American markings and was written in American language and stuff like that. All speculative. But the fact of the matter is it, we're, we're just playing a very dangerous game right now. Like, and the way we responded to China is one thing. It was, it was completely the opposite of the way we should have done it. But then like performing this kind of behavior just leads into the fact of the reactionary nature of this regime to say that, you know, they will do anything to get ahead of the narrative. They will do anything to assure you that Joe Biden, the empty suit who can't complete a sentence is in control. Right. And, uh, 
it doesn't help anything. And, and, and actually, it, it makes the situation worse. Instead of, like the ranking house member had mentioned on Meet the Fake Press, talking about transparency and being open and honest about what happened over the course of the weekend where there was two to three other, you know, uh, satellite balloons shot down. KGP took to the podium yesterday and instead wanted to joke about aliens. Let's hear her. Last thing before I turn it over to the Admiral, I just wanted to make sure we address this from the White House. I know there have been questions and, and concerns about this, but there is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew that, uh, and it was important for us to say that from here because we've been hearing a lot about it. Um, I, I, I'm not. Would you tell us? I, I'm just, you know, I loved E.T. the movie, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. Oh God. That's the official. That's the official spokeswoman for the president of the United States. If that's not a kick in the teeth to the American people to just show that they think we are stupid, useful idiots, I don't know what is. We literally had four unidentified flying objects fly into our airspace that were shot down by United States military. We had we had air aerial objects shot down out of our airspace by our military. I mean, just think about that. And we have this idiot who's just queer and black enough to get a job in the press briefing room. Barely. <laughs> Barely. And we whether listen, we know he's not in charge. He is occupying the seat of the presidency, unfortunately. What happened to the days, Rome, when something really crazy happened in this country and the American people wanted answers and the president sat at his at the resolute desk with microphones in prime time addressing the nation with any and all available information to ease the minds of the American people, to avoid the speculating. Nobody's speculating about little green men. People are speculating that the Chinese are coming and listening to us and with what's going on in Ukraine and that China is spending so much money on military and are ahead of us in intercontinental ballistic missile launchers that they might be planning something like another virus or, you know, uh, taking down of power grids. That's what people are concerned about, not little green Absolutely. men. And they're, they're, they're making it a joke and a mockery of us. Yeah. So where is the commander in chief? sitting at a podium addressing the american people well they were addressed this morning and we'll we'll have some more developments on that on our friday edition of steak for breakfast for sure i don't know if it was an official gang of eight briefing because mm -hmm. i saw several house representatives uh, who were still up on capitol hill as they're you know on, on recess for 10 days now and a lot of the senators who are working on some uh, confirmation hearings for some of the next round of virtue hires for the Biden administration uh, coming out. Senator Ted Kennedy today, you know, talked about it. But even in his response to the intelligence briefing that they were given this morning, he was extremely vague. And I listened to the clip like three times and I was like, this just doesn't give the answers. Like we could provide the same exact commentary as the the, the briefing disposition that he's given to the press right now. So I, I just didn't think it made for good uh Podcasting material, but I did see uh, last night former acting DHS secretary, boss of Christina Bob, who will be joining us later in the show today. Oh, and I just want to mention as well, I can almost guarantee you 
in just a few minutes when we jump on with Ambassador Rick Grinnell here. We will not hear the word alien one time unless we're talking about illegal ones crossing the southern border. I can guarantee you that. But, uh, you know, he, he sat down yesterday on Fox News and, and wanted to talk about whatever's going on with the Biden administration in regards to these Chinese spy satellite balloons. Let's hear him. I know people are making jokes about the cylindrical UFOs. Is it a UFO? Is it an object? You know, all of those joshing aside, China does have a history of this, sending these type of balloons very high altitude, over 40 countries, doing this for several years, apparently. Does that fit, you know, their MO in trying to uh, acquire sensitive intelligence from us by transversing these balloons over the United States? Well, absolutely. We see China, as well as a number of adversaries, you know, trying to test U.S. Uh, defenses all the time, um, whether that's military defenses or that is actually sending individuals into the U.S. Um, to, to steal secrets and do a variety of other things. So it certainly fits within the narrative of what the, the Communist Party of China, of China is, is trying to do, both diplomatic, economically, and, and certainly militarily as well. But then I think, you know, we have to continue to ask these questions of the Biden administration. To what end? To what end are they sending these balloons or these objects? over North America. Is it just for surveillance or is it something more? And then what is the U.S. response? I think that is also very important. We need to send a signal if it is the Chinese or it is our adversaries that this is not tolerable. And I think the sooner that we do that, uh, the better. And that's a good point you made, and it circles back to what you were saying, Alan. It's like, you know, the, the, the two that I think were shot down over this weekend, one was still in Canadian territory, uh, and Justin Trudeau tried to take, you know, credit for it, even though it was one of our jets that shot it down, I believe. Uh, NORAD uh, collaborated with the Canadian government, and, and that's how that went down. And then there was one that was shot down uh, just as it was entering U.S. airspace over uh, northern Alaska, but the fact of the matter is, is that in addition to uh, trying to obtain maybe intelligence, like what was probably the case with the first one, according to the reports we've got, whether or not they're being honest, we have no clue there. But, uh, you know, it, it some kind of payload delivery system. Could it be a tactical nuke? Could it be an EMP device uh, that, that would put a lot of stress and pressure on the already fragile U.S. power grid? Uh, it, it's these things right now. Exactly what the Biden administration is not addressing. And, you know, as we as we heard in the montage leading in, you've got KJP joking about it over the weekend. Chuck Schumer getting dunked on when he's like, oh, yeah, Chinese spy satellites. Like, we shot those balloons down. And, you know, the guy's like, yeah, but how long did it take you to do it? And he's like, Ugh. And, and, you know, you've, you've got people just trying to talk about how no matter what happens, Joe Biden's going to be in control. Well, like we've seen recently with the train derailments and, and, and things of that nature, when he, he's not in control and, and when these things spiral out of, con, you know, just all over into in, affecting regular people's lives outside of the spin that they try to produce to kind of codify the American public, we get into some very dangerous territories. And fact of the matter is, I, I think you could agree on it's only going to take one. And I think whatever objectives, whoever is sending these balloons over, we, we all roads do at the current time lead to the Chinese and the CCP. They've done uh, enough probing probably now to know what our response time could be, uh, determine on whether or not a lower altitude or higher altitude spy satellite balloon would be more proficient in doing the damage that they potentially want to do. And, and I just think when they talk about, you know, getting the data 
and and spying on the United States with these balloons. They have so many other ways that they already intertwined all over this country. Uh, I I really think that there's probably a bigger there there than just this. In our last audio clip of our, of our uh, open here today, and before we jump on with Ambassador Grinnell, Josh Hammer is going to be jumping on directly after him to uh, discuss a little of these items we're talking about on the show today more. Let's hear the real-life John Dutton, Montana Congressman Ryan Dinky. He was talking about the objects that were shot down and his major concerns with them. Doesn't the commander-in-chief have to say something about the fact that we're taking hostile action against unidentified flying objects over America? Well, absolutely. And you need to be truthful about it. The truth is China is poking us in the eye. The truth is we have to respond. The truth is if we're weak, this is what happens. And look, balloons are serious. Is that There's a lot of things that can be attached to a balloon. Exactly. Uh, electronic magnetic pulses, for instance. You see chemicals. There's a lot of things that can uh, be attached to the balloons. So we need to take it serious. And I'm glad at least we're taking the shot. We should have took the shot in the first balloon right away. At least we're taking the shot. I don't agree over, over water because it's hard to recover. But we need to take the shot, defend our airspace, and we need to do it strongly. Exactly. And show whoever is trying to do whatever they're trying to do uh, to the United States that we're going to have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to stuff like this. And it's like when you're conducting operations throughout the world or, or you're meddling in things like the Ukraine-Russia crisis, stuff that happens between two sovereign nations, let's just say the United States and Russia over in Ukraine, that's a lot different scenario than stuff that happens over the skies of Montana, over the skies of the Carolinas. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they're trying to make it. It's a, uh, Raheem Kassam articulates this so well. I can't wait to have him back on the show a little bit later in the month. This administration has gotten into the business of normalizing things that have been historically one way to show you there are more progressive, more liberal ways to look at them now, and everything's going to be fine if you allow that to happen when it's just the opposite of the case. And, you know, just getting into this today, it, it's and, and going through these clips and the way they kind of chronologically follow each other into the narrative that we're trying to build for our listenership as we're going through the show, we can only hope that, you know, there are still people who work within our federal government, within the military apparatus, that are going to go out there and say, you want to know what? Following orders is one thing, but compromising national security, compromising places where my friends, where my family, where like U.S. citizens live over American towns, over American cities is a lot more important than just saying like Joe Biden's tough. Pete Buttigieg is right. John Kirby is awesome. KGP makes sense. And I think uh, what we're going to do now is try to ground that narrative a little bit, not as get as emotionally involved as, uh, you know, you, you saw some of the people who they're really because they're former government officials or their current Congress people and stuff like that. Most of them are all veterans really want accountability. And we're going to get into that right now as we segue with a slate of back-to-back guests. All right. Coming in next on the show today, he's the former ambassador to Germany, served as the DNI and the Trump administration as well. One of our great friends, ambassador Rick Rennell. Thanks for jumping back on steak for breakfast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, what busy times we're in now, sir. How's everything going with you? Good. All is good. He's just watching this flailing Biden administration keeps everybody busy. Uh, I've been saying constantly that, you know, we Americans have to play a role here in this Biden administration, holding them to account, demanding transparency, talking about 
uh, the problems. I mean, we just cannot turn away and let them get away with it because we know the media is not doing it. We know the media is not holding them to account. Take, for instance, you know, this disastrous secretary of transportation who clearly got the job because he was gay. And now what we see is, is, you know, he is unable to lead, whether it's airlines or trains or any transportation issue, he is literally just failing. And uh, this makes us less safe. You know, identity politics and wokeism is literally making America less secure. And so we've got to speak up about it. We've got to make sure that our representatives are doing something. We elected a Republican Congress to get stuff done. So they better be holding this guy to account. Yeah, which is what he deflected on a lot over the last couple of days when he was doing the cable news circuit. I do want to kind of stick in that thread, though, and we'll stay with Mayor Pete. So we've seen, obviously, a major train derailment in Ohio uh, last week, which has turned into probably what is going to be a major ecological disaster for the United States and all the people that live there. Based off of whatever reasons you can assume, whether it's the big backers who are, you know, investors in this... Uh, train company like BlackRock and Vanguard, maybe J.P. Morgan, or or just the fact that, you know, when the Biden administration tells the legacy media, hey, look over here, they literally look over there. This is not getting the coverage uh, that it should be uh, from top to bottom, whether you're talking about the responsibility that Pete Buttigieg has, has the trade secretary, all the way down to what the impact could be for the U.S. citizens, you know, who live in that area. And beyond with with, you know, what they're proposing, the uh, the damage radius could be the only person I've really seen getting into this is, uh, well, Anna Paulina Luna in the House and then J.D. Vance in the Senate over the last couple of days. Funny. Consequently, they're both people that Donald Trump endorsed for Congress and they're the ones leading the charge for transparency in the Biden administration. You know, when you served as the DNI. This has to come into some kind of compromise with, you know, some national security in some aspects, especially since we've seen other trains derail just in the last 24 hours, one in South Carolina and another in the Houston area. What do you think about this whole situation? Look, I'm very concerned that we don't have a uh, D.C. media that's focused on just basic environmental issues, right? They, they like to focus only on environmental issues when there's a partisan angle to it. But if you look at the problems that uh, this derailment in Ohio is having on the people, um, this is a disaster. And imagine, if you will, if this would have happened in the Trump administration, imagine the pressure that the EPA administration for the Trump administration would be under. Uh, you would never get away with not talking about this issue. You had the Secretary of Transportation doing a whole interview and never confronting this disaster. They're trying to bury it. They're trying to make sure that people don't pay attention. They're doing the look over there isms. I, I really am concerned that we don't have a fourth estate. We don't have a media that is willing to put aside their partisan politics and just concentrate on, on uh, keeping government held to account. It's just not happening. And that's why I think that we um, in, in America have a role to play. Citizens have a role to play. Citizen journalism has a role to play because we're, we're constantly uh, being, you know, the if you look at the, the networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, they're failing us. Yeah. Um, all of the major newspapers, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press, they are failing us. They are too partisan. And so we have to uh, begin to really push forward uh, the truth, 
and demand transparency. Thank God, again, we have the Republican Congress. They've got a big role to play. Uh, I know uh, Anna Paulina Luna has been great. Max Miller has been great. Yep. Um, we've got some real true warriors that have just stepped into Congress that that are bringing the people's voice. And that's what we have, you know, these career politicians. I mean, all the people you mentioned, even J.D. Vance, Senator Vance, they're all new. <laughs> they're all the people that just came from the the public and are now representing us in Washington, D.C. So I think it's really important that we have these outsider voices. Yeah, I think the more that they... Uh, you know, are able to make the legacy media and then their congressional counterparts feel uncomfortable by having to address these issues, by constantly bringing them up, by getting on shows that have big reach like Tucker Carlson. I know both J.D. Vance and uh, Anna Paulina Luna have been on there in the last week. Max Miller is a regular on this show, one of our great friends, doing a lot of work up there on Capitol Hill for us already. And, And like you said, it's the lack of transparency, which has led to this alternate universes that the Biden administration has literally created, you know, from top to bottom since, you know, they they were sworn in back in 2021. Everything from like the economy was great. You're making more money. We're super safe and secure. There's nothing wrong on the border. Fentanyl isn't a crisis. Uh, homelessness isn't a crisis. Neither is crime. And and we're the strongest beacon of hope and, and strength throughout the world, which is what I'm going to try and uh, segue to now. We just saw this morning that, that, that a lot of the people in the, uh, intelligence committees in Congress were briefed finally on the Chinese spy balloons that have been, you know, in the news a lot lately. There were multiple ones over the weekend in addition to the one that was able to make its way across the United States about a week and a half ago. Coming from a national security standpoint, Ambassador, how bad does this look, especially for the fact that, you know, as soon as the Biden administration got caught, the first thing they could do is send out John Kirby and uh, Ned Price and KGP to all the Sunday morning talk shows last weekend and talk about how, oh, this has been going on for years. This definitely happened during the Trump administration, uh, you know, as their attempt to accept responsibility for it. Look, I think one of the thing, one of two things is happening. Uh, either they're lying that it happened during the Trump administration, or uh, they suddenly found some bureaucrat in the intelligence community that knew it was happening and failed to bring it to the attention of the political class. If that's the case, then we need to call them on their bluff. And what we need to do is demand that John Kirby find these individuals that he is talking about that knew that this was happening in the Trump administration and failed to bring it to uh, the attention of the CIA director or uh, the DNI. If we have bureaucrats that failed to do that, that is treasonous. So John Kirby should take that person that he is talking about and turn them over to the Department of Justice so that they can be prosecuted for treason. You cannot have a system where individuals say that they know about a national security issue and fail to bring it forward simply because they don't like the politics of the leader. That is a very dangerous and slippery slope. So if the Biden administration knows about these individuals that knew about a Chinese spy balloon coming into the United States during the Trump administration and they failed to alert anyone, those individuals should be prosecuted. Either they will turn these people over or they will continue to allow this phony anonymous person to exist. I actually don't think that these people exist. Agreed. I think that it's 
It's something that people like John Carl from ABC News should be on TV asking about this. They should be pushing back. You know, but we have George Stephanopoulos, who was a total Clinton uh, political appointee, now pretending to do a Sunday show for a network like ABC, where he, he just asked Chuck Schumer about this issue and was completely spun. And they were, you know, just talking like they were two Democratic friends. There was no pushback from George Stephanopoulos. Um, this is not how we're going to keep America safe when we have this phony process where we're unable to push back and ask politicians questions. I think we're on a slippery slope. Yeah, we certainly are. And, you know, I'm kind of in the, in the demographic with you, you know, the side of the argument that says this is probably, uh, you know, a manufactured, very broad statement trying to pass off the buck and responsibility as, as something that's, you know, what wasn't such a great threat to our national security. It's been something that's been going on. And now Joe Biden's trying to uh, address it in the best way he could as president, which I think also goes into the part of the spin. Do you notice how whenever people in the administration talk about this situation or, or any other big matter that has to to do with national security or, or the stance of the United States in the world, how fast the, the you know, regime media and uh, people that are loyal to Joe Biden within his administration are so quick to go out and say that, you know, he's definitely in control. He's definitely aware of the situation when, when we all probably know that's not the facts. Yeah, look, uh, we, we have a, a major problem because we can see that Joe Biden is not in control. We see it on a daily basis. But who is in control is this little cabal of people around him who keep telling him to run for re-election because they don't want to lose their jobs. you got a whole cabinet for, for the Biden regime who um, was placed there because of identity politics. You look at Jennifer Granholm, who is the failed governor of Michigan. She's running energy. She doesn't know anything about energy, but yet she is getting this position because she is the epitome of a progressive a uh, party member who happens to be female and she constantly talks about abortion and progressive issues and so to check the box of that group they get to be um saying that their their person is at the department of energy she's she's completely not qualified same with secretary of transportation i could go through the whole list so this group of of people in the cabinet who received their jobs because of identity politics, uh, they are not going to, uh, you know, dump Joe Biden. He's the figurehead that gave them their job. Right. And so the system is created. They are going to work very hard to make sure no one else runs against Joe Biden. They've got their gravy train. They don't want to end it. They like the power. And remember this, um, when Democrats are no longer in power in Washington, D.C., they go to academic institutions and NGOs and they sit and wait and they build up this uh, this system of, of jobs and and talking about problems. When Republicans are no longer in control in a in a government, when they leave the administration, they go out into the private sector. They don't go to academic institutions. They don't go to NGOs. They actually go back to the private sector. And so in some ways, Republicans are at a disadvantage because we don't stay a part of the system in D.C., that swampy system where they just have this revolving door from academia to NGOs back into government. And so collectively, they're all still in charge and, and running issues even when they leave. 
No, I mean that's that's kind of the blueprint that they've used to uh you know all all kind of stay in each other's defense throughout the course of this administration and in turn they all kind of rally around Joe Biden even if it is the empty suit version of Joe Biden which we kind of think are in control and uh you know has used it to spin everything from what the real situations in the country is going on to just basically the the normal threads of the news cycle. Ambassador, what does this say for our relationship with China right now which has been stressed since the beginning of the Biden administration? We've been talking on the show for the last couple of weeks how China has has done so conveniently to their advantage uh played both sides of the fence and everything from like you know the visas here in the united states uh they the way they manipulate the job market the global currency they also have been uh you know one of the biggest behind the scenes players in in the russia ukraine conflict where they're helping russia by giving them arms and logistical equipment and support at the same time they're courting the ukraine government and saying whatever russia blows up will eventually help you rebuild after the conflict is over and now you still have the biden administration after these you know, uh, violations of our sovereignty with their, uh, you know, spy machines basically saying that the, the Biden administration is still very eager to sit down and meet with their their Chinese counterparts. Look, I, I've said for a long time that Russia is a problem, but China is a crisis. Yeah. You look at the the facts, any intelligence official will tell you that that China is strategically a crisis for us and that we've got to do a much better job of confronting them. It's one of the reasons why it's still outrageous when you think about three weeks before the presidential election in 2020, you had the regime media and all of the political class saying, don't look at the Chinese and their relationship with the Biden family via the Hunter Biden laptop, because that's just Russian disinformation. Beijing applauded when our political class in Washington, D.C. said, look away from that laptop. Don't pay any attention to the laptop because it's Russia, Russia, Russia. And remember, there's this great clip of Donald Trump confronting Joe Biden during a debate three weeks before the election, where he said, are you telling me that Hunter's laptop is now Russia, Russian disinformation, Russia, Russia, Russia? And Joe Biden says, exactly. I am telling you that exactly because 51 intelligence officials uh, agreed with that. Now, look, you know, you get into the details and one of the people that signed this letter saying don't look at Hunter Biden's laptop was the CNN uh, anchor Dana Bash's husband. Her husband was saying, don't look at this laptop. Now, Dana Bash has never confronted that. She's never um, asked her husband why he signed this phony letter, uh, which was really election interference. He was one of the people that interfered in the election to lie about that relationship between the Biden family and communist Chinese leaders. That That is a huge problem. And CNN, every single time Dana Bash comes on, should demand that she talk about that. And, and ask, uh, you know, people should be asking, why didn't she ask her own husband about this? Why is CNN ignoring the fact that, uh, that they have one of their own who is literally sleeping with someone who interfered in elections? Now, these, this is tough talk, but it's the reality. And the people in Washington don't like, uh, you know, you to confront them. 
and to talk about the problems. But if we're going to talk about election interference from foreign governments, then we should talk about the 51 individuals who didn't have a single piece of intelligence. They never were briefed at all about this Hunter Biden laptop. There wasn't a single piece of evidence suggesting that it was Russian disinformation. But 51 former intelligence officials, former CIA directors jumped to sign this letter. Let me just tell you, they were trying to manipulate an election for partisan purposes. And I I don't think that we should let that go. I think there's too much uh, at stake. That was three weeks before an election where they said, look over there. Don't pay attention to the Biden family's ties to communist Chinese leaders. This is a huge, huge problem. No, it is. And you've already seen some of those former CIA officials and, uh, you know, federal law enforcement officials from prior administrations like Clapper and Brennan already publicly backtracking, saying outlets like CNN and Politico, which is one of the... uh, uh, news outlets that that originally broke this story and and produced the memo saying that oh they misconstrued what it was and the way that they you know gave the interview and we can only hope that the Republican House is looking to you know get down into this because what it has done and like you said a lot of that would there was the Russian component of it but who is the you know person that is getting the wins when that's going on. It's obviously China, basically what they've been able to do since the start of the Biden administration, things that they were not allowed to do under the previous one when President Trump was uh, in office. The woman at Politico, who now Clapper is blaming, is Natasha Bertrand. Yep. And Natasha is now at CNN. She is now a CNN reporter. So CNN has a responsibility to ask Natasha and Dana Bash, what's going on? Well, you know, James Clapper is now two years later scrambling to say this was uh, a phony story from Politico. I think Politico should come clean. Uh, Daphna Linzer is the editor of Politico. She should confront this issue. It was her uh, publications reporter at the time, Natasha Bertrand, who broke this story. Um, Why aren't we having people ask this question? Where's Jonathan Carl? Where's Maggie Haberman? Yep. Where are where's Julie Pace from the AP? Why do we have all of these Washington, D.C. reporters unwilling to go and ask these tough questions? I'll tell you the answer, because they all socialize together. Yes. They all have their kids go to the same school. They all go to the same church or synagogue. They literally are in the swamp together and living together, and therefore they don't want, for purposes of their social life, to call out anyone who's in that swamp. It's why I told President Trump, when he comes back as president, and I believe he will, when he comes back, he should look at every single person's resume and the address on their resume when they're applying for a job. And if their address is Washington, D.C., he should throw it in the trash. We have enough people that are from outside of Washington, D.C. that can take over jobs and bring really fresh water into the swamp. No, it's the truth right there. And, uh, you know, it's it's when when you start talking about all these people, how they socialize together, they they go out to dinners together, their kids go to the same school. It's just like one big club. And, uh, you know, it's it's so deep and so layered. They just don't have the... uh, 
It's one of those things like this article was published It kind of from the left. That makes me think that this was payback for the Clinton emails thing that James Comey re- released before the, you know, first Trump win. Fact of the matter was James Comey was releasing factual information and this was just like, okay, we have to figure out a way to slow him down. Let's just do this. It'll never come back to us, especially if Joe Biden wins. And now you're starting to see as this Congress is really looking to peel the layers back. Not just on all the corruption with the Joe Biden crime family, but how has this crime family been able to like float itself along for so many years? And a big part of that component is the way the media treats them with kid gloves and kind of manufactures an alternative alternative reality that, you know, Joe Biden and his family have always operated in. You, you did talk about next time President Trump is in office, which is the last thing I want to touch with you on today, sir. I saw this morning Nikki Haley made it official. Uh, she called President Trump about a week ago and asked for his blessing. Don't know how that went down. I think he probably told her, go for it. It'll be fine. Knowing that once they get on the debate stage, he's going to be able to hammer her. She had kind of a very robotic and telegraphed, uh, you know, candidacy kickoff launch video today, which talked about all the things that are really wrong with this country, about how bad she wants to go to war with Iran and China. But besides that, what can you uh, tell our listenership about the, the former ambassador and her quest now to, well, essentially challenge Donald Trump for the Republican nominee? Look, I'm convinced that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. Uh, I do think that having other people run only is is helpful. Agreed. Um, because President Trump, I think, uh, is a competitive person and it'll make him better. But I think there's no question that he's going to be the nominee. Uh, I think there's no question that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. So we all just need to, to get comfortable that uh, it's going to be a rematch in November of 2024. You're going to go into the voting booth or look at your ballot, and there's going to be two choices. It's going to be Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And I think that the visions for both of them are wildly different. And I subscribe to the fact that Donald Trump's vision for America is what's going to make us more prosperous and safer. And uh, I'm all on board with Donald Trump. As we feel that will be the eventually, you know, he's going to win the nomination as well. I think uh, when you're just looking at the way the the forces that be are lining up right now, it does look like just at this point it's going to be a rematch. So we'll have to see if anybody on the Democrat side is going to be willing to challenge Joe Biden. I don't think so at this current rate. Uh, And then on the Republican side, I think the more people who get in the race, uh, the better. A lot of people sometimes forget how many experienced and career politicians were in that original presidential election cycle that Donald Trump was in. And even though a lot of people thought that his candidacy was, you know, at some points laughable in the beginning, no one was laughing more than, than the MAGA base when, when Donald Trump claimed the white house in 2016 ambassador, this has been great sitting down with you today. Anyone that's not following you on social media, we'll live link it in the show description today. Where can we find you? Uh, Twitter, Richard Grinnell and on truth at Grinnell. Perfect. And we'll be looking to sit down with you again soon, as this is always one of our listenership's favorite conversations. This is the former acting DNI and the Trump administration ambassador to Germany. Mr. Rick Rennell, thanks for joining us on the show. All the best. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? You got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bills. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air dried instead of dehydrated like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy or other additives, just beef, salt and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per two ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra five bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. Awesome sitting down with Ambassador Grinnell there. 
he definitely is going to help me sleep a little bit easier, which consequently we can also help you out with here on Steak for Breakfast. Friends, when you enter promo code STEAK at MyPillow.com, you can experience the MyPillow version 2.0 BOGO event that's going on right now. That's when you enter promo code STEAK, you're going to buy one and get one free. So don't let all the stuff that's going on with the country right now have any effect over a good night's sleep as Mike Lindell is more than adequately able to take care of you in that department. And uh, segueing here, we're going to jump in right now with an opinion editor from Newsweek, one of our great friends. He's the host of the Josh Hammer podcast. It's Josh Hammer. Thanks for joining us on the show. Happy Valentine's Day, sir. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you. It's always a pleasure. You guys have very quickly become one of my very favorite podcasts in the rotation. So it's, it's always a pleasure. I was actually listening to your newest in the car today and uh, saw some news going on with you that we're going to talk about because some of the things that you've got going on are highly interesting me right now. But more importantly, uh, coming off of what we just talked about with Ambassador Grinnell, I, I think national security right now is at major risk of being, well, we're past compromised. I don't know what's past compromised <laughs> hot war, but you know, when you talk about what happened over the course of the last two weeks with the uh, initial Chinese spy balloon satellite, and then what we saw over the weekend with other ones, you know, interfering with us airspace and us shooting down a couple of them combined with some of the other stuff we've got going on in the country right now, Josh, we've got a ton to talk about. What are you saying? So I will start by just taking an even broader view than that. I mean, what has happened over the past few weeks is really terrifying. But, you know, as I was reminded when we were recording our most recent episode of the NatCon Squad podcast, which we actually just did a few hours before I joined your show, you know, I, I, I was thinking about people to judge and the transportation secretary and all of these various issues. And it's not just what we have seen from a transportation perspective. I'm speaking here, of course, also about the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Yes, sure. But you know, let's not forget that the FAA shut down all national air traffic just a few weeks ago. I mean, I you know, the news cycle is going so quickly these days that I had almost forgotten about the fact that the FAA literally grounded all domestic planes, you know, period, full stop, end of story for the first time since 9-11. That story has been totally swept, swept under the rug. I mean, they gave some purportedly anodyne explanation. It was a change to the algorithms or a software glitch. You know, but these incidents are really starting to add up here. I mean, in December, remember, there was almost a national railway shutdown. There was a huge kind of, you know, labor negotiation when it came to kind of sick days for railway workers. Obviously, the supply chain issues that have afflicted America over the past year and a half, two years as well. You know, living here in Florida with my own naked eye, I have seen kind of these freighter ships a few miles offshore that are not going to dock because there's no workers there. It's it's just a mess. I, I mean, th th there was kind of this ineluctable, inescapable sentiment right now that the whole edifice, the whole structure in this country is just falling apart. And that's not a particularly kind of reassuring sentiment to convey to your listeners, but I just can't help but think it today. I mean, you know, this is it, this is a very bizarre and difficult time. And I guess for me, kind of putting on my commentator hat, kind of the issue that I just come back to over and over again over the past few days is why the hell do we not know more than we currently know? Uh, there were just so many questions. I mean, going back to that initial spy balloon that traversed the entire North American continent before it was shot down. First of all, would we even have heard about that? Would civilians even know about this? Had the good people there in Montana, I think it was, reported it to their local newspaper? Second of all, the most obvious question is, why did we let this happen? I mean, why wasn't it shot down up in Alaska, wherever it first came across North American airspace? Why did we not shoot it down after that? So 
There, there are just so many questions right now. Obviously, the mainstream media, when it comes to this train horror, this horror, I mean, absolutely galling images, by the way, you know, vinyl chloride. You know, I saw an image that looked a lot like a mushroom cloud. I mean, this is nasty, nasty stuff here. The media is, is, is doing a horrible job of covering what's happening there in East Palestine. You know, thousands of fish have died, ecological, environmental disaster. So, Awful stuff. Um, and, you know, I guess the silver lining is, you know, if Republicans play their cards right, I, I have to imagine that some people are just going to gravitate towards them for pure sanity, if nothing else. But it's it's bad. I mean, it looks very bad right now. No, I mean, you've kind of outlined it perfectly. And we're going to be talking about a lot of those other issues coming up in just a little bit with uh uh, Trump 2024 attorney Christina Bob, but you know, sticking in the thread here with the Chinese spy satellites and how that kind of parlays into a couple other things that you know are all are all things related to Pete Buttigieg. When you talk about the FFA shutting down all domestic airspace, obviously the train derailment in uh, East Palestine, in addition to the other two that have happened in the course of the last 24 hours, there was one in South Carolina, another in the Houston area, and then just look at it from like a broad scale. Not only have we become reactionary in the way this administration kind of deals with everything. Why do you think the American public, like the legacy media who knows this is opposite of what the reality of things are, can't do anything except force feed the American public. Joe Biden is in control and everything is fine. It just baffles me to the point that that's literally where we've gotten, where we've seen, you know, over the course of the, the news cycle, especially over the weekend, the Sunday morning news circuit, you saw so many top administration officials, Ned Price, Kirby, KGP, all just go sit on these shows and say, like, they're just joking about it. Like, the train derailment's a joke. I don't want to talk about the spy balloon. Yeah, the first one kind of looked bad, but we shot down two other ones. So, you know, th that should be good, right? We should get credit for that. And, and it's just like we, we've reached a point right now to where it's almost like, we always know that they blatantly disregard how the American public feels. We could see that even now that like progressive news outlets like CNN and MSNBC are, you know, uh, constantly reporting that the direction of the nation when the American public is polled is, is close to or over 70% in the wrong direction. But now it's just like they, they seem to take victory laps on things that are, are so far broken. It's like, yeah, but it's at least it's not broken all the way. Uh, you know, the, the FFA or the FAA is not completely destroyed. You know, our, our national sovereignty when it comes to American airspace is, isn't as bad as the southern border. So we should be happy about that. And, uh, you know, all things such. How, how did we get to this point? And, and what do you think the alternatives are? Is it only just waiting to the next election right now? Or are we entering a space so dangerous when you talk about what's going on? in Ukraine. And the fact of the matter is, you know, just today at the NATO meetings, we're seeing so many other nations piling on uh, more military equipment to Ukraine to enter in, into that theater there. A lot of the military equipment that they're getting now is so high on the, on the technological scale that it takes years to become proficient in, in the training areas. Now you're talking about being able to use that in theater, which is probably a lot longer event, which is scary when you think about what's going on over there and just how the Chinese are, are, are basically meddling in, in all the things that they usually do foreign and domestic in regards to the United States, United States. But now they're literally violating our airspace, which, you know, you've heard some Congress people say this is almost a pseudo act of war. No, it, it, I think that's legally accurate. Um, I, I mean, the Latin term for act of war is casus belli. I mean, that has come the, the Latin term that traditionally has been invoked when Congress declares war 
you know, you could make an argument that sending you could easily make an argument, in fact, that sending a, a, a surveillance aircraft across sovereign U.S. territory for the purpose of collecting sensitive information on nuclear facilities. You could easily make that argument. To be clear, I am I am not calling right. for Congress to declare war on China. That is not my stance. But I think legally speaking, you know, you could definitely make that argument. I mean, you know, when it comes to the Ukraine boondoggle, I mean, kudos to to Matt Gates, con- the congressman from here in Florida, who Absolutely. recently who recently proposed kind of a full defunding of all U.S. activity over there. You know, look, I, I we've heard this argument from both liberal interventionists and neoconservatives that what the U.S. is doing there and fighting this proxy war against Russia, which to this day still has the largest nuclear arsenal in the world, I feel obliged to remind the audience here. But, you know, we've heard this argument that what the U.S. is doing in finance, but this proxy war against the Russians is some way of sending a message to Xi Jinping, you know, that if you dare go into Taiwan and you take over Taiwan, you know, you better think twice about it. But clearly China is not getting the message. I mean, clearly China is is more emboldened than ever before. I mean, I, I, based on the fact that they're doing this, I mean, I strongly suspect that these other balloons, unidentified flying objects, whatever the hell they are, probably have Chinese origins, although that's not confirmed, but that's that's probably the best guess that, that I have, at least. So clearly, whatever merit, you know, the liberal interventionist neoconservative argument for kind of fighting Russia in a proxy war as like a way of showing China who's boss, empirically speaking it's not working like right. it's literally just not working and it's obvious that that it never would have worked because the best way to deter china is actually to get tough on china you know is actually to kind of work with our allies in the region directly like japan philippines india australia countries like that it's not about fighting a proxy war in the, in the donbass region of ukraine i mean it doesn't take a, a phd in kind of geopolitics or geostrategy to, to 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 be able to figure this out so I, I really hope that, you know, people start, are starting to sober up when it comes to the Ukraine issue. I can't say I'm particularly optimistic about that. Agreed. I mean, you know, Mitch McConnell, who's kind of a D.C. uniparty figure, if there ever were one, he infamously wore that blue and yellow tie for the State of the Union address last week, which I think is kind of just a perfect symbol. It's a perfect avatar of kind of the homogenous group thing that predominates so much of of the failed bipartisan foreign policy establishment, the blob, as my friend Rachel Bovard sometimes calls it. So, <laughs> look, but China, I, I mean, China is the issue of our generation. And I, I mean, this is an issue that is not going to go away anytime soon. My most recent column was was kind of uh, formulated as kind of reassessing U.S.-China relationship in the aftermath of the spy balloon. And my basic kind of two prongs. Uh, my my twin pronged kind of doctrine, I guess, if you will, when it comes to U.S.-China relations moving forward is I would propose a combination of nationalist hawkishness when it comes to economics, which means, you know, decoupling, reshoring, getting as many companies, incentivizing them to get out of China. We can ally shore them in Mexico or Latin America. We can't fully reshore all of them. And then the foreign policy piece, we have to be extremely sober. Now, to be clear, the surveillance aircraft, the balloon, should have been shot down. I, I mean, once you violate U.S. airspace, you have no choice but to shoot that thing down. And it is inexcusable that this administration did not do so. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I think the saber rattling when it comes to kind of Taiwan and and what is China's sphere of influence, things like what Nancy Pelosi did in going to Taiwan in a tinderbox scenario last August, we we need to try to de-escalate and calm tensions because you know China. I, I to, as I said earlier, I mean that would be 
disaster. I mean, like Armageddon, if 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 that if that conflict actually broke out, and we really need prudent statesmanship to try to kind of diffuse tensions while trying to kind of take as many American companies out of there as possible. No, I agree, and I think the only way we see. At this point, the United States and Russia facing off on the battlefield as if something went hot with the United States and uh, China because I I think the only time you're going to see Russia really making a push to go farther east than Crimea and Donbass is 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 if China got into a hot war with the United States and at which point you know one of China's strongest allies Russia would probably have to come to their defense in the region as well I I also think uh, you you made some excellent points about you know shooting down these things and and how the Chinese have have come to make violating airspaces a normalcy they spent the entire weekend in in you know, another component of their saber rattling flying uh, fighter jets over Taiwan. So that's something that was happening, you know, throughout the course of, uh, of the weekend that was just going on. Uh, you know, why everybody was busy watching the Super Bowl. And then when you talk about Mitch McConnell, there were so many people that have been dunking on KJP, Ned Price, John Kirby, you know, everybody in the administration, Millie Austin. The fact of the matter is, especially with Pete Buttigieg, you can really go back and thank Mitch McConnell for fast-tracking all of these people who were able to gain cabinet positions in the Biden administration without any kind of oversight other than, you know, a few talking points that made it to, like, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson's show. Because, you know, and I really hope it was worth it for Mitch McConnell to see how the direction of the country has gone so far south since Joe Biden has taken office because – Aside from gaining a few judges confirmed and a bridge for the state where he's a senator, like what else does he really get besides tanking the entire direction of the country? I mean, we know where his interests are. They're in China. They're in the military industrial complex and stuff like that. And then the big question from all that that I wanted to ask you, Josh, it was one of the great points you made. You talked about Matt Gates' proposed legislation, which would have basically invoked the War Powers Act, which means Joe Biden would have to go before the entire Congress and make his case for continuing to just blindly fund the Ukraine war. Now, given the current state of where our Congress at is right now, you know it's a losing battle in the Senate currently, although I'm very optimistic about the 2024 cycle with so many undefensible seats for the Democrats. Um, Does Joe Biden, does he go to Congress and make the case for Ukraine? And and do we still come out with the same outcome in this climate? Uh, Or do you think this is something where we would really be able to pump the brakes on it? Man, I... uh... You know, I want to express optimism, but <laughs> it's a black you know, I'm pill. So, I, 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 I'm so jaded by so many kind of bipartisan, you know, foreign policy blob boondoggles. I mean, you know, these are the same kind of, you know, ruling class elites that that, that had the absolutely boneheaded idea to knock off Gaddafi in Libya in 2011. Exactly. as the powers urging the situation in Libya 12 years later, by the way, is still kind of a, a an Arab on Arab style mass civil war. So yep. 12 years later, you know, we're still kind of picking up the pieces uh, uh, in that horrific, horrific cesspool of a country. So, you know, I I can't say I'm particularly optimistic that Congress would not simply do Joe Biden's bidding, you know, if it does indeed come to that. And I've I've seen I've read some rumors. I've seen some headlines that some people are finally starting to whisper into Joe Biden's ear. Maybe it's time to start putting a little pressure on Zelensky to do X, Y, Z things, you know, not to brag. But I mean, some of us have been saying this for almost a year now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like literally since like last May or June, I mean, it's just been so obvious that you can't get Zelensky get away with with the maximalist stance that he has just continued to use, uh, at least while being on the U.S. taxpayer hook. But, you know, look, I mean, there is such a bipartisan lust for, you know, for more war. I mean, the military industrial complex is a very, very real thing. By the way, 
you know, I saw my friend Ryan Gerdusky, who, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's been a guest on this show. He has. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, I, in, in his weekly newsletter, which I encourage everyone to read, it's his Sunday Nationals populist newsletter. He flagged, uh, I think there was a CBS News piece from a former Republican uh, high ranking Pentagon official. I, I think he was from the Trump administration. I can't remember the exact name of, of the person, but he was high up in the Trump Pentagon. And apparently he wrote an opinion piece calling for massive. Uh, massive budgetary cuts at the Pentagon. And he, he he was basically admitting that there is this huge industry that has cropped up where north of Grumman, Boeing, all the various kind of defense contractors have an incentive to foment more war as a profitable enterprise. This is a very real thing. And it was kind of eye-opening was Gerdusky's point for flagging it to see a high-ranking Republican Pentagon official, the traditionally kind of more kind of hawkish militaristic party, just admitting that this is the case. So I, I would love to see, um, you know, Congress basically say no to Joe Biden. It's worth noting, by the way, um, you know, if I can actually flag, we have a great op-ed in Newsweek today from uh, uh, John Yu and Robert Delahunty uh, kind of showing Joe Biden's hypocrisy when it comes to kind of uh, his war making constitutional authority and the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But hold that aside. One thing that they remind us in this op-ed was that in the in the not so not so distant past, Congress has actually used its plenary constitutional power over the purse to just wholly defund overseas operations. That, that's actually, in fact, how the Vietnam uh, War ended, by the way, or at least how how U.S. ultimately extricated itself from that conflict was Congress actually just defunded the president. And that is Congress's primary check on a foreign policy reckless president is to actually just defund the entirety of the mission. Congress can do that. I would like to see that happen. That's obviously what Matt Cates is going for. And again, credit to him. But, you know, I'm just so jaded from the whole military industrial complex thing. You know, you make some excellent points. And you know what? Congressman Gates laid it out for our listenership last week when he joined us on the show to talk about the the, the bloodlust for forever wars in Congress and, and how everybody's pockets are, are lined with the money from the military industrial complex. So when you see people that so overtly and rabidly support it, people like Lindsey Graham, uh, you know, and, and then when you talk about just the Biden administration, just in the last few weeks, you've had John Kirby. Uh, filling in at the White House press conference saying that, like, Vladimir Zelensky gets to declare what victory looks like when he says it's victory, period. There's there's no other options. That is what it is. And then you parlay that into the State of the Union that happened just last week when Joe Biden said, as long as it takes, as long as it takes, no matter what, when, when talking about Ukraine, it's, it's, it's very alarming. And, you know, when you just look at how history sometimes repeats itself and there are two very clearly defined fronts on, on a potential world war that are developing right now, obviously, in the Asian Pacific over in, in Taiwan and then what's going on in uh, Eastern Europe right now. It, it, it is extremely alarming. And to just see the amount of virtue signaling that's come out uh, from the NATO meetings today over in Brussels, it, it's, I'm telling you, something that makes a lot of people in, in this country lose sleep. And then, you know... As soon as they want to get concerned with that stuff, it's like a lot of the things we talked about at the top right here where domestically it's just an absolute dumpster fire. And every time we try to get ahead of something like the FAA shutting down domestic airspace, they'll have a, a plane derailment that has, you know, ecological consequences that are going to probably affect that area for decades and, and things of that nature. Josh, last thing I want to touch with you on, I did see on your uh, social medias recently, you got a pretty big debate coming up here on February 28th. Do you want to let our listenership know about that? Sure. Yeah, you're kind of flat that. So I, I'm doing an event in person here in Florida where I live. So it's going to be in Miami Beach, uh, but it can be live streamed online as well. So I'm going to be having an event with Alan Dershowitz, who is 
uh, you know, obviously very uh, well known. He was a professor at Harvard Law School for a half century. I, I become friends with Alan over the past few years because we run his op-eds in Newsweek quite frequently. Yep. Um, got dinner with him here in Florida just about a month ago or so. So, yeah, long story short. So I, I wrote an op-ed on. Uh, so, so Israel is currently having this very tense debate, I think would be an understatement yeah. um, about their constitutional structure. Uh, and, and specifically, the Netanyahu government is trying to rein in their genuinely out of control Supreme Court, for which there are virtually no checks and balances. It's a pure kind of judicial oligarchy over there. And I wrote an op-ed in favor of the government's proposed reforms, but those reforms have been very controversial. There's been literally hundreds of thousands of people in the streets protesting against it. So I was emailing with Dershowitz a little bit back and forth about that because Netanyahu actually promoted that piece on social media, which is very kind of him. Yeah. And then Alan basically said to me, you know, we should just debate this. And I was like, OK, that would be an honor. I mean, I will. I, I would love to do that. So um, long story short, you, you can find the details. There's an Eventbrite page where you, if you just Google Eventbrite, Alan Dershowitz, Josh Hammer, you'll find the details for this. So if you're here in person in South Florida, please come ahead and register. Um, we've had a few hundred people register, but we have room for a few hundred people more. It's a big venue. And if not, you then you can live stream it online. So it should be a really fun kind of uh, quasi debate, quasi discussion. And the reason this is relevant, by the way, this is an important point to drive home. The reason this is relevant is actually is not just about Israel. Um, the debate is fundamentally about sovereignty. It's fundamentally about whether we are going to allow judicial oligarchs or deep state bureaucrats to decide our questions or whether we the people get to decide. That is a fundamental kind of political question that it cuts to the very center of this debate. That was what I argued in my column, and I look forward to discussing it on February 28th with Alan Dershowitz. Well, and, the and, you know, the point that you make there is is where one of our greatest strategical allies is in regards to pushing back against their government and the judicial system there. We see a lot of the same parallels here in the United States. I thought it was extremely relevant for whatever we were going to talk about on the show today. And I'm going to grab it off your social medias and live link it in the show description as well. But Josh, for anybody in our listenership who's not already following you and definitely should be, by all means, where can we find you? Sure. So I'm on Twitter, Josh underscore Hammer. Uh, you can find me at Newsweek.com. I have a weekly newsletter, The Josh Hammer Report. My podcast is through Newsweek, The Josh Hammer Show. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And my syndicated column goes out to a bunch of conservative websites and also goes up in Newsweek as well. We'll be live linking everything in the show description today. This is a uh, host of The Josh Hammer Show, opinion editor, Newsweek, one of our great friends. Thanks for coming out and joining us today, Mr. Josh Hammer. Always a pleasure. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code steak here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. We've had hundreds of train derailments after we spent over a trillion dollars on infrastructure yes. in this country. Yes. So the Thank fact you. that this isn't getting obviously better is a major indictment of the people spending the money and what they're spending the money on. Now, we know if you listen to Secretary Buttigieg today uh, that they are focused more on whether we have too many white men in construction jobs than he is on the fundamentals of his job, which is ensuring we have a viable transportation infrastructure in this country. And unfortunately, my 
my constituents in East Palestine have been some of the main victims of the fact that we have failing infrastructure in our country again after spending tons of money in an effort to actually fix it. So the problem we have, Tucker, is that we are ruled by unserious people who are worried about fake problems instead of the real fact that our country is falling apart in some of the most important ways. You mentioned the Environmental Protection Agency. Of course, it says it right there. It should be focused on clean air, clean water. It's the thing that I'm most focused on for the people of East Palestine, but so often they're focused on environmental racism and other ridiculous things instead of fixing the problem that they are established to fix. That was Ohio Senator J.D. Vance uh, on Tucker Carlson last night talking about the ecological disaster stemming from the train derailment and explosion out in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, joining us to do the back end of the news today, she is a attorney for the Trump 2024 campaign. She's also an author. Her newest book, Stealing Your Vote, is tearing up the charts uh, on Amazons and all things such. One of our Valentines for today, Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Valentine's Day. It's Same. an honor to be here. Same to you. Always a pleasure to host. Uh, so we've, we've been talking about this throughout the show today, uh, a lot of the problems with the with the, just the overall infrastructure in the United States and then some of the uh, hot points, this, this train derailment in Ohio, which is, you know, kind of spiraled out of control, as do most things regarding the Biden regime usually happen. Uh, you've been able to watch this now for a little bit over a week. There's, there's very few people up on Capitol Hill talking about it. We've pointed out J.D. Vance is yeah. one in the Senate. You've got people like Anna Paulina Luna and uh, Max Miller, who, who's a House representative from Ohio, uh, actually bringing a lot of attention to this as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's weird. I think there's a lot of weird things going on right now that are very dangerous. I mean, the idea that you have chemicals spewing into the air and Democrats who are in control, who supposedly love the environment and care so much about climate change, aren't addressing it. I mean, good grief. It, it, like the, this is a major ecological problem and they're not addressing it yet. Their platform is climate change. It, I think it just goes to show uh, the hypocrisy of the climate, the entire climate change platform and it also goes to show that they're not actually out for what's best for the American people. I mean, we have unexplained train crashes with hazardous material that's getting blown up. We've got spy balloons from China or, you know, they say some of them are not balloons, whatever the heck they are. They won't tell us. There's a lot of things happening that pose true national security threats and they're not telling us anything about it that's that's a huge problem yeah it certainly is and when you look at all the other problems that are connected to this or that have come before that this latest incident i mean obviously we've talked about since the start of the biden administration the major problems that they caused regarding the supply chain uh which led to the baby formula crisis and then you have just the overall infrastructure of the country essentially crumbling everywhere. You can't drive in a road that doesn't have potholes. There's not, you know, bridges that aren't in need of repair and stuff like that. And then more recently, you have the problems with the FFA. You've had a couple dozen food processing plants uh, throughout the United States either closed due to contamination or just completely burned to the ground. And uh, now this. So. It's, yeah, but it's, it's your gas stove, Ron. It's your gas stove that's the problem. My gas stove and the fact that I don't appreciate uh, enough that Pete Buttigieg is the transportation secretary and is in charge of a lot of countries' infrastructure only because he's gay and of no other reason other than that, as Ambassador Rick Grinnell so elegantly pointed out this morning, uh, you know, earlier in the show. So I, I just think that it's it, it's another one of these things where we're seeing uh, – 
they've gone so all in on equity and diversity and wokeism that it is now really affecting almost every component of the average yeah. citizen's life. I did see one yeah. of the, one of the things that uh, you know the Biden administration has pushed, and uh, radical governors like Gavin Newsom and then uh, Pritzker up in in Illinois have pushed for like ending gas cars by twenty thirty five. I saw the European Union voted to do that as an entity this morning, and I just think that it's, it's absolutely nonsensical and ridiculous. But it's it's kind of where we're at right now. They're just going to throw everything at the wall and whatever sticks to make our lives more miserable. They're going to try and push as hard as they can. Yeah, and they can't withstand the weight of their own corruption. I mean, the Democrat, and it's largely Democrats, although obviously we have problems with Republicans as well and sure. internal corruption. But I say Democrats have made their platform on, oh, being the party of equity and inclusion and, you know, all the BS that we've been fed, force fed for the last several years, several decades. But now that doesn't work because the party who truly cares about people would clean up an ecological problem. They would disclose what happened. They would warn people about the risks of whatever chemical is being spewed into the air or being burned. They would tell people what uh, kind of treatment they need to protect against it or steps they could take. But they're not doing any of that. They're completely ignoring it. And then you also have supposedly this party of inclusion and love and equity that is force vaccinating you know, the entire population largely against our will, doing it in a, a manner of control, meaning you're not gonna be able to work, you're not gonna be able to travel, you're not gonna be able to support yourself or your family unless you do this. And I, I I don't think their message of, oh, we're the party of love, inclusion, and equity resonates anymore because I think people can look at them and go, yeah, but you're doing everything terrible. Not just you're doing a terrible job, you're doing terrible things. You know, trying to normalize pedophilia and change the name to minor attracted persons right. and genital mutilation. Like they're just so far off base that I don't think their message resonates anymore. No, and and it goes so far outside of the realms of like what we're talking about right here, infrastructure. It's definitely doing things to compromise our national security, uh, both internally here domestically and then internationally when you, when you talk about everything from what's going on with Russia and Ukraine over in, in Europe and then the, the big uh, overshadowing that China has over this entire situation. And it just seems like right now the only thing they want to do is, is promote that they're ahead of the narrative and that Joe Biden's in total control and making all the calls. It seems like that's the big way that they're going to uh, yeah. deflect here. And, and, and it's just, it, it's sad to see them go out there because you, you can see it in their faces. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this while I'm saying this, but the yeah. fact of the matter is those words are actually still coming out of their mouth. And to the people who casually follow the news or, or haven't really had a lot of these major crises to influence their lives yet, uh, you know, or, or just the politically uneducated, they just kind of like say, oh, I guess that's what's going Oh, look, the Super Bowl's on, you know, and, and right. we're, we're going to do that instead and, and eat some chicken wings instead of, you know, worrying about how there's a major ecological disaster that could blow like a death cloud over your house at some point in the near future. But that's that's kind of where we're at. It, it seems like, you know, this government has become extremely reactionary and their answers to everything in addition to equity like you said is climate change and, and vaccines and and you know that's that's basically what they're going to run on probably for the next two years in addition to the big amnesty bill that's that's coming down the pike and it's going to be a big one i saw a former uh clinton surrogate and uh now top economic advisor to the biden administration uh john podesta was out uh, at a town hall forum this week talking about the inflation non-reduction act and how awesome it's been for the country let, let, let's hear him talk about the uh successes that our economy is having right now 
first of all, we're working together and we, and we want to make these programs work together. Uh, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, is the largest and most significant piece of clean energy legislation, most significant climate legislation that's ever passed uh, in U.S. history. And uh, it's uh, 370, estimated to be about $370 billion over 10 years. It's uh, transformative uh, and attacking all the sectors of the economy that are involved in in, uh, in emissions uh, causing climate change. Clean power, clean buildings, clean transportation, clean manufacturing. We've seen a renaissance in manufacturing already as a result of uh, the anticipation. Once that bill passed, people are coming forward, uh, built on top of the infrastructure uh, funds that are that that you know Mitch has been talking about. There's been over 200 billion dollars of announced investment in uh, electric vehicle batteries alone, and these investments are taking place all across the country. Uh, from Georgia and Alabama to Michigan and Ohio to uh, upstate New York to California and Nevada. There, it, this is really significant and transformative, and I think will reach every corner of the United States. Uh, or, or they only hope, and I mean, it's just like we were saying before we jumped into that segment, they roll out these administration officials who use like the, the most like pointed talking point words uh you know like uh dynamic and and carbon efficient and all these things like you know how great it is for the economy then they'll just rattle off a whole bunch of states and say yeah can't see it now but trust me best thing ever like 10 years from now it's going to be amazing and it kind of like passes the buck and the blame uh, on everything that's going on right now and then it, you're exactly right. And then it digs us into a deeper hole, a deeper hole that we can't climb out of in 10 years. And then they're like, oh, but don't worry, we have the solution now. And before you know it, it's 2030, you own nothing and are happy. You know, I mean, what they're trying to do, not just to the United States, but to the world, I I think is evil. No, it, it, I mean, you know, just when, when, when you look at like these people not having any kind of a consequence either, it's like, Pete Buttigieg, like we talked about, has, has been at the forefront of a lot of these disasters. And when he wasn't taking time off to chest feed, he's been going around the cable news circuit. Uh, recently, just over the weekend, he did the Sunday morning circuit and kind of just passed the buck on anything to do with the, uh, you know, spy balloons and all that other stuff. And then when they kind of talked about the the trains, he just kind of like deflected and made jokes there and wants to talk about how like, you know, uh, EV batteries are going to be the next great thing for the country. And, and you know, he's going to take a private jet to his cadillac limo and then take that to like 100 feet before a speaking event and then get on his bike and tell everybody that he wrote it there so it's just it seems like it's just one big production with this with this administration right now and uh you know when i talk about people like pete Buttigieg and uh john podesta together in back-to-back you know sound bites i know that really gets alan stimulated because those are two (laughs) of his former favorite uh you know characters in the biden regime what do you think alan hearing all this it's, did I just hear $200 billion for electric vehicle batteries? Yeah, and just so everybody knows, because we talk about it so much on the show, a lot of those contracts with the EV batteries, especially the ones like in Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp took a lot of hits for that in his re-election campaign. Those companies are tied to 
bigger companies or donors, investors that are connected to George Soros. Uh, that, that's like for the Hyundai uh, EV battery plant that's coming into Georgia and stuff like that. So when they talk about how awesome that is for the United States, it's coming in there uh, on the backing of people like George Soros and, and, and other companies who are you know connected to him as well. But what do you, what do you think about hearing these guys just like, you know, J.D. Vance hammering Pete Buttigieg, figuratively, and then John Podesta saying how like, you know, a couple hundred billion, which, you know, we've done the math. The, the Inflation Reduction Act has the uh, ability to add over $2 trillion to our national debt if it's used to the best of its ability, which is saying that would be a bad thing. Uh, but that's kind of where it's at. What do you think, Alan? Well, I think we need more J.D. Vances and yeah. less uh, Peter, Mayor Pete butt plugs, in my opinion, <laughs> who's busy chest feeding his twins and not dealing with the uh, the train derailments of the world and the uh, all the hazardous materials that come along with it, like Christina said. You know, I have to just for a second focus on these lithium ion batteries, $200 billion. Christina, you just said it. They want us to own nothing, yep. but they want you to go out and buy a $70,000 electric car. These electric ion batteries, totally off subject for a second, are so dangerous. The New York City Fire Department actually today is calling for basically a ban, a crackdown on lithium ion batteries, the federal government to step in because they are killing so many people in fires. They're exploding, whether they're in laptops or cars or scooters. And the rash of, of lithium ion battery fires all over the country is unbelievable. And it's killing people. And it's also putting our firefighters in harm's way. I've been involved in the fire service a long time. Training tactics have to be done differently, which costs municipalities money, which means taxes are going to go up locally because of the fire suppression techniques. You just can't use water. And I believe actually, Rona was in California in your neck of the woods. I was reading a story where there was a car fire on the on the highway with a lithium ion battery electric car. And it took over, I think it was like 60,000 gallons of water. How dare to we put that out? The average fire truck holds 750 to 1000 gallons of water before hooking up to a water source. So that alone, imagine what that's going to do to the environment, just depleting water when they need it. And the environment with these lithium ion batteries, when they're burning off because they burn off very violently and the amount of people that are going to die and who have died already because these batteries are exploding in their living room from their kids lithium ion battery powered scooter it's unbelievable and it's crazy what these people are talking about i can't get into podesta because that'll go down a rabbit hole we all know about him it's just wild what this regime is doing and and here we are <laughs> that is crazy and those are just the items that are affecting us domestically. When we talk about the, the biggest money laundering scam in the history of, of recent time, you have to mention Ukraine and Russia and what's going on there. You know, for the amount of uh, support in regards to military equipment that Ukraine's been able to garner over the last couple months, you know, starting with Zelensky's visit to the United States, and now he's kind of done the tour through Europe. He, he spoke to the EU at Brussels, and, and, you know, they have the NATO conference this week over there. It's going on right now. He's even been able to get more stuff uh, going into the meat grinder, which is the massive Russian offensive that's getting ready to start in the spring. Uh, you know, 500,000 troops, over 180,000 military vehicles that are that are lining up to, uh, you know, basically push the Ukrainians back probably for the last time. It, it, I saw an announcement today that after the United States and Germany had committed to tanks uh, just over a week ago, during the NATO meetings today, Secretary Austin was was in Brussels talking about how the United States was able to bully France and Italy to uh, dedicate some of their military equipment to the fight in Ukraine as well. Let's hear the Secretary of Defense. 
Americans from the United States, no Strikers and Bradleys and Abrams tanks. It includes the UK's donation of Challenger tanks and the contribution of Senator armed personnel, armored personnel carriers that Canada announced last month. It also includes the refurbished T-72 tanks that the United States, the Netherlands, and the Czech Republic are in the process of delivering, as well as Poland's latest donation of T-72s. And it includes the important steps from Germany, Poland, Canada, Portugal, Spain, Norway, Denmark, and the Netherlands on Leopard battle tanks. Now, we also heard today about significant new air defense donations. That includes Italy and France, which jointly announced that they will provide Ukraine with a SAMP-T air defense system. And France also announced that it will work with Australia to ramp up 155-millimeter ammunition production to support Ukraine. And finally, let me also thank Norway, which just announced that it will provide 7.5 billion euros in military and civilian assistance to Ukraine over the coming five years. And that's a very... Mm, that's enough of him. That's insane. That is just a massive amount of money and assets and equipment. Like, it, it, this just looks so bizarre to me. It looks so, so bizarre to me. And that's the thing, Christina, someone who's worked domestically in the Department of Homeland Security and is a veteran, you, you were also a Marine. This is something that is coming at a point where the entire Ukrainian backed world, everyone against Russia is telling everyone that Ukraine is unequivocally winning beyond the shadow of a doubt. And, and, and meanwhile, he just announced two dozen different kinds of types of military equipment, whether it be tanks, uh, anti-missile uh, defense systems, small arms, etc. A lot of these things take months, if not years, to not only proficiently train somebody in, but allow them to be able to operate in a battlefield setting. Like, a lot of yeah. people get trained, like, in the M1 Abrams tanks and stuff like that, or, or the Generation 2 Leopard tanks that are coming from Germany. The, the complex weapon weapon system inside of these, uh, the, the, the fact of the matter that they run on things like jet fuel, like, it takes a long people to get proficient to be able to operate these things in, like, a training environment. And now we're talking yep. of going into, like, one of the hottest hot zones on the planet in places like Dunbas and, and Crimea. As someone who who's served in the military and obviously knows her way around, you know, a lot of the the, the doublespeak that, that Secretary Austin was providing right there, what does it sound like to you is really going on? It sounds like to me they're not telling us the truth. Uh, they want us to believe that Ukraine is this smaller country compared to Russia that is being victimized and uh, oh, they're so you know, these poor people. Don't get me wrong; I'm with the people of Ukraine. The people of Ukraine are truly are being victimized by their own government, much the same way Americans are being victimized by our own government. Um, but I don't believe for a second that that that's actually the truth. I think there's Ukraine has been laundering American corruption, whether it's money, assets, whatever, for so long um, that I think. I think there's a lot of people trying to wash their hands of things right now because truth is getting exposed. 
They're still doing it through Ukraine. The war helps the warmongers, the the control fiends, the globalists. It's a distraction. It's um, it's a problem. It's a legitimate problem that needs to be solved. And as long as they keep it going and peddling it, uh, I, I think it helps them. I mean, we just saw how many how many leaders in Ukraine. I think it's a dozen leaders in Ukraine just resigned after an internal investigation revealed that they were taking the money coming from the United States and other allies. They were taking it for their own personal profit. Billion, I mean, billions. How much? How much American money did they take? Are they going to return it to us now that they they've been outed and we know that they stole the money for their own personal profit? Are they going to return it? Like, no, what happens there? More. We're going to give them more. We're definitely right. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's infuriating. We know. We know that the money that we're sending. This is okay. These are indisputed, undisputed facts that we know for certain. The Biden family has professional monetary ties to Ukraine. They they do business dealings with Ukraine. 10% goes to the big big guy, i.e. Joe Biden. We know that Joe Biden has agreed and uh, directed over $100 billion go to Ukraine for this war effort. Is he still getting that 10% kickback. We also know that Nord Stream 2 was a direct competitor of Burisma, the company that Hunter was on from the former Ukraine government through which they were laundering their money and their power. We just recently found out that it was actually the United States at the direction of Joe Biden that blew up Nord Stream 2, which just depleted or um, annihilated the competition of Burisma. It looks incredibly corrupt to me, and it looks like we, the American people, are paying for it. Uh, Those are excellent points you make, and I I do want to point out and circle back to one of those big ones you made with the Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, it was, Tucker did a huge expose on it. There was a, and he referenced a sub stack that came out that had uh, chronological timeline, names, meetings, uh, special operations, the, the acronyms that were used, all the dates and times that these things were happening around the time of the Nord Stream bombing. And the fact of the matter is that it was, you know, uh, components of the CIA as special operations and uh, at the direction of Joe Biden, supposedly, uh, that ordered the Nord Stream pipeline being destroyed. A lot of people don't understand or have any no there's very few places that talk about it and it's that direct connection to the uh competition between Nord Stream uh and Burisma and the fact of the matter is Joe Biden's family's ties to Burisma adds another layer of possible corruption another layer of possible Biden crime family another layer of possible kickbacks 10% for the big guy when that pipeline gets destroyed it just doesn't add another component to the war. It might be exposing another component of how deep Joe Biden and his family and other people inside the government. Because, listen, he's not the only one that had his hand in the pot inside of Ukraine. That's Ever since we installed the government there after the coup back in 2014, that's been a, a big moneymaker for, for a lot of people in the private sector who are now operating as, as in official context in the Biden administration. Uh, one of Christina Bob's probably favorite former co-workers, Victoria Newland. I know you probably are a huge fan of her. And you know she's all over Ukraine. And all the way down to people like uh, Ron DeSantis's rapid response director, Christina Pushaw. She's, she's got some good connections there, too. We all know that her f- former boss, the president of Georgia, and, and Vladimir Zelensky over in Ukraine are the best of friends. So I can only imagine some of the meetings that they had over the course of her tenure there for almost three years as she was an official uh, spokesperson for him as well. 
it's, it's just amazing to me how you can kind of tie all of these things together. And, and at the same time, who's losing? It's, it's the American consumer. It's what we're talking about here. Our safety yeah. with things like the train derailment, our, our, our wallet and, and, you know, how the economy is suffering, uh, you know, and um, how American jobs are being sourced out with things like the Inflation Re- Reduction Act. And then you could see gas prices starting to shoot up again. Yeah. And if I if I could just Go add ahead. to that, everything you're saying is exactly spot on. So you've got the Biden crime family that will intentionally, it appears, intentionally destroy Nord Stream 2, which is a natural gas pipeline, which is a problem. When you blow up the pipeline, you have spillage. That's a, a problem for the climate, for the world. You know, it's, a, it's an ecological problem. Then you've got these trains. You've got the spy balloons. You have all of these natural disasters or, you know, the fires that are burning chemicals on these trains, nobody, none of these climate advocates are are saying anything about it. Right. But what they do get upset about is if you don't drive an electric vehicle, give me a break. You can blow up a pipeline. You can burn toxic chemicals all over the United States and all over the state of Ohio but you can't drive a, a regular car. It the the hypocrisy. Like, how do they stand up? How do they face themselves in the mirror every day with any sense of integrity? They they have none. They have absolutely zero intellectual honesty. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I think the best meme that I've saw out of the last week's news cycle it was like a picture of that super sad face, like the guy's face all blacked out. It's just like. Please, Joe Biden, I can't feed my family or put gas in my car. Just help us out a little bit. And then the bottom two panels of the meme was like the mushroom cloud in Ohio and Joe Biden like licking an ice cream code. And the other one was like the explosion coming out of the o- ocean from when the Nord Stream was leaking all of the gas into the sea and Joe Biden's like air holding a rifle. And it's just like that. But that's literally where it's at. You know, I, I, saw, I saw the administration yesterday. They went and uh, Kamala Harris, believe it or not, was taking a victory lap on, on lowering the prices of insulin for seniors and capping medical at $35, something which was just basically re-implementing a Trump-era policy, but they're not doing it as broad enough as Donald Trump did, which was for everybody. Now it's just kind of for seniors, and I, I kind of screen-captured that and put a picture of, like, laughing Kamala, and it's like, if you're good little peasants, I might lower the prices for children's insulin as well, but we'll see. And, and, and that's kind of like the alternate reality that this we've talked about it since 2021. Like they have literally decided that there are going to be the reality which you live in when you walk outside of your door. Like crime is not an issue if you say it is you're racist. But when you walk out the door and get thrown on the friggin subway tracks, it's your own fault for not, you know, loving everyone as much as they tell you to do. <laughs> it's the same thing with like gas prices. If gas prices are too high, well, you should be buying a hundred thousand dollar electric car or riding your bike like pete Buttigieg does when the suv stops a hundred feet from his speaking event and he gets on it (laughs) it's just kind of the the where we're at and i can only hope that things things are getting bad like like Mm -hmm. the stuff domestically the food processing plants burning down the train derailments creating ecological disasters we haven't even touched on the disaster that's going on with the ffa right now there has been so many like they talked about near misses but they've actually shown the the footage from the airports of like two planes almost crashing into each other twice over the last two weeks equity hires equity hires and and it's the thing it's it starts with the administration can we please put out there 
the biggest transgender or gay, lesbian, African-American or other multicultural person to talk about everything and make sure every other agency within the federal government at the top levels down in the management system are those people only. Like if they dress up like a furry, even better, let's make them in charge of the military. And not only that, but let's make our first four-star woman admiral a man in a skirt right? and everything will be fine. And, and you know, it's, it's just where we're kind of at right now. And as things like are simmering down on Capitol Hill after the kickoff of committee season over the course of the last two weeks, because Congress is going to be on a little bit of a break right now. I know the house is off for the next 10 days um, before they get back in session and are going to start with round two of all those committees and stuff like that. We'll just have to see with, with this administration. I mean, I, I, I sadly made the joke online last night of like cue the active shooter. And within like 45 mm-hmm. minutes, there was an active shooter at Michigan state where unfortunately that was wild. Yeah. A couple people died. And, and, you know, I, I'm always like, please don't be a MAGA hat. Please don't be a MAGA hat. Please don't be. And it right. wasn't, but the, but you know, it's, it's one of those things we're at such a breaking point right now. You know, even when you talk about the drug crisis, the homeless crisis, the mental health crisis, how none of that's being addressed the prisons are being emptied out. In addition to all the things we normally talk about on this show, it just has been a recipe for disaster. And and here we are uh, talking about it for another week on Steak for Breakfast. Christina, this has been awesome sitting down with you today. Obviously, we're going to live link uh, the Trump campaign and your book in the show description. But for everybody that's not following you, uh, where can they check you out? Yeah, you can get me on Truth and Getter at Christina Bob or Twitter and Instagram at Christina underscore Bob. And actually, I think today my website might be active, ChristinaBob.com, maybe. Seems pretty simple enough. Well, if it's up and running, we'll live link that in the show description as well. Last thing with you, Christina, the book launch has been great. Alan and I both had read it. We've talked about it. We thought it was a good, thorough read. For someone who is, you know, we are great friends with you and we've had you on the show so much. This kind of is like you can almost hear yourself narrating it in your head while you're reading it because it's like reliving episodes of the show. But the book has had a successful launch. You want to tell our listenership just a little bit about it before that we let you go? Sure. Stealing your vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Uh, I, w- I had the benefit and privilege of being behind the scenes on a lot of the aftermath of the 2020 election in January 6th. And I tell my story with the uh, objective of giving you hope for 2024. I don't believe all is lost. I think it can be saved. I think it needs to be saved. It's going to take all of us to do it. So I tell you what happened and what we can do about it. And that's basically the way it, it's it's lined out in the book. And like I said, it's it's a great, easy read. It's like a user's guide to how to catch yourself up on the last two years of what's been going on, both on, on the front lines of the fallout from the 2020 presidential election and what we need to do or address or at least, at the very least, get better at before we hit the next election cycle in 2024 here. Uh, Christina, this has been awesome sitting down with you again. Happy Valentine's Day. And uh, we'll be looking to circle back with you again soon as it's always great when you come on the show. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much. This is the attorney for the Trump 2024 campaign and author. It's Christina Bob. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Not too bad of a way to start the week. Kind of wish Noah and Antoinette were in the office, but life happens. Glad to have had Alan Jacoby join us to guest host today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to hear the now over 200 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. 
former ambassador to Germany, acting DNI in the Trump administration, Rick Grinnell, Newsweek columnist, podcast host, Josh Hammer, and Trump 2024 attorney and author, Miss Christina Bob. We appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy schedules to help make stakes great again. Speaking of which, go out and throw some of your hard-earned cash at our partners, because when you do that, it helps make small American businesses great again, namely MyPillow. Everybody wants to get their hands on a set of those MyPillow version 2.0s. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout. You're getting buy one, get one free. In addition to that, if you want the My Coffee, you enter promo code STAKE here. 25% off your order. 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak if you want the pillows. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned. Let me tell you something. If you're in the studio doing a little music, maybe recording a podcast, you want to get serious, make the investment. Odyssey headphones. Find them on Odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. I man-rubbed a large piece of beef that I'm making some stew with tonight. It's in the crock pot right now. And a promo code stake here. You're going to get 15% off your order. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram, too. My Patriot Cigars. Alan, CEO, joined us today as a guest host, and he would really appreciate your service. Listen, you enter promo code stake here. Alan's giving you 15% off. Any order over 100 bucks, free shipping, a $10 e-gift card is included in every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Beef Jerky. You know, promo code stake here, you're getting $5 off any order. If you order a 12-pack, free shipping. Check them out at FarmerBill'sProvisions.com. Upcoming shows, we'll be back on Friday. John Solomon's going to be here. We've got a couple other guests in the mix, and I'm sure it'll materialize between now and then. Darren Beatty will be joining us on the 21st. It's going to be a great episode there. Devin Nunez and Cash Patel are coming back on the 24th. And so far, we've got Boris lined up for February 28th. Friends of the Week can never forget our Truth Social Twitch streamer crew. They're sharing our stuff 24-7. Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, and Friends. Some Call Me Tim 79 is very active with Steak for Breakfast content on Truth Social as well. William S., Nightwing X and Spoopy on Twitter. Let's throw Memar in there as well. And then we can't forget the meme team. Namrock, Namrock. I've been sharing him like crazy. Let's go, Brenda. CP3 meme at his newest video, Trump and Sons, episode 23, came out this week. Dumbass Photoshop, the silent meme Jordy, Hugh White memes, Madam America. Thank you for helping me out with those Darth DeSantis collabs. Mega Garbaggio, My Willow memes. And we'll throw mostly peaceful in there as well. Guys, we got a couple things to remember between now and Friday. Pretty simple equation here on Steak for Breakfast. Number one, do your own research. There is so much stuff going on. You could pretty much put them all on a dartboard, throw a dart, start to do your research, and you would never believe the rabbit holes you'll take yourself down. Everything from like infrastructure in the transportation sector all the way up to the FAA and Chinese spy balloons. You want to go and do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Hopefully it was uh, easy edits for Noah. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Chris Stapleton's rendition of the National Anthem before the Super Bowl the only part of it that I saw, and that is a perfect example of talking about American greatness. Very great hit right there. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 213 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back 214 on Friday. We're going to have John Solomon here and probably a few other guests. 
On behalf of the pod team, who's no longer with me, but are here in spirit, Noah Antoinette and our guest host, Alan Jacoby, thanks for listening. Happy Valentine's Day. And take care. Sworn she was tweaking, but she would shut up because I am peeking and it won't last long. Whoa, whoa. If if it turns out as it looks like that the that, that the president um, and, and Mr. Trudeau sent top gun fighters to blow weather balloons out of the sky, is the does the does the president regret that and is he embarrassed? I'm not going to get ahead of what um, of any final decision. We just don't know yet. We actually just don't know. Colonel, you better take a look at this radar. What is it, son? I don't know, sir. But it looks like a giant dick. Yeah. Take a look out of starboard. Oh my God! It looks like a huge. Pecker. Oh where? Wait. That's not a woodpecker, it looks like someone's- Privates! We have reports of an unidentified flying object! It is a long, smooth shaft, complete with two balls! What is that? That looks just like an enormous- Wang, pay attention. I was distracted by that enormous flying- Willie. Yeah. What's that? Well, it looks like a giant- Johnson. Yes, sir. 